if you can help somebody realize and put light on their blind spots uh, that will help the company overall, I think it's well worthwhile. Hello and welcome to episode 80 of Chaos and Rocket Fuel, the Future of Work podcast. This is the podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future. It's brought to you by Wanda and Patton. And I am, as always, with Claire Haydar, who's the CEO at Wanda. Claire, how are you today? Doug, I'm really, really good. I have to share something with you um, because both of us are mountain biking nerds, even though I haven't been on a bike in so long because of my pregnancy and, and, and. But um, on our farm here, we went and explored a trail that we've just cut into the mountain, um, Mm -hmm. which is just beautiful, pristine mountain biking. I need to get you to our farm in Virginia. Get your husband to get his drone out and send me some drone footage. Okay. I don't know if we'll, because it's such a thick forest that it's almost fully covered, but I'll definitely, I'll try to get the drones up there. Yeah. So had to share that piece of news with you today. Good to be on the podcast with you again. Uh, so back to reality. Today we are talking for the first time to Dr. Katrina Burus. Tell me a little bit about why she's on the podcast very important to note that she is a researcher in a very particular area of work which she herself defines as brilliant jerks and the reason why i wanted to bring her onto the show with us is because this is a it's a persona a character in the workplace today that a lot of people do struggle with and when you get into intimate conversations with people over dinner etc etc these stories about people's interactions with what she's terming brilliant jerks often surface and yet there isn't really a strategy out there in terms of how to cope and deal with these people and so i thought it would be really good um you know considering that we look at everything about work today but also in the future it's important that we wrap our heads around these characters and understand the role they play and how to work with them. And what do we talk about specifically in this first segment? So we actually go into her academic research and the definition of it. You know, like I jokingly said um, at the start of the conversation, I think a lot of people who work with me would call me not necessarily brilliant, but they would definitely define me as a jerk on some days. And I think a lot of, you know, leaders who are very honest with themselves will say that, yes, there's definitive times where your team and your leadership peers feel that about you. So what makes the average everyday jerkish interaction different from somebody who is consistently a brilliant jerk. We actually asked the question, why should HR managers, leaders, and people and companies as a whole actually care about this topic today? Okay, so let's head on over and hear what Katrina has to say. Katrina, I'm I'm going to start off as often, and, and what I'd like us to do is before we get into the real heart of this topic, um, I'd like us to just take a bit of a step back and and look at this more broadly in the context of what's going on in the world right now, but also just getting down to your personal definition so that we understand the framework and the lens through which you're approaching this topic. So. This is something that you've gone into very deeply. You've written a book about it. You have, you know, done incredibly deep research in this area. And it's specifically what you've termed 
brilliant jerks. So starting the conversation off today, can I ask you to give us your academic definition of what a brilliant jerk is? So a brilliant jerk is somebody that is brilliant because they're very good technicians or experts or uh, highly focused on a certain area. Uh, they have a leadership position, so they influence a lot of people and they're interpersonally blind. That's their blind area. So they cause suffering in the workplace by their interaction with other people. Uh, they leave them uh, feeling a little distraught or lack of confidence. Uh, so it's uh, an abrasive type of relationship. Mostly, not all the time. It can have that long-term effect on people. Okay, that certainly sets up the conversation for us to, you know, to understand what that academic definition is. And I think it will really provide context that we can keep coming back to as we dive into multiple avenues, because this is it's a topic that touches people personally, but also really does impact work and how work happens. So, Doug, over to you. Thanks, Claire. Hi, Katrina. Nice to meet you. Yes. Hello. Why is this a topic that you considered important enough to to do as much research and, and say, write the book and get as deeply involved in as you have done? For two reasons. One, since they're in leadership position and they're interpersonally blind, the, their intelligence is very focused on the cortex, fast thinking, technical, but uh, the relational aspect is underdeveloped, let's say. And so... Because they have leadership position, they can cause a lot of pain uh, interacting with other people to a great extent. So I thought it was important to, one, work with these people that are bright and valuable to their company because they are brilliant. Or they bring something to the company that they want to keep. So I think it, it's worthwhile to really work with them so that they cause less suffering in the workplace. That's one. Second, on a business level, I've been in coaching for a long, long time. I was a master certified coach by the ICF in 2002. So I noticed that in the beginning, I had a huge amount of pressure because I was in this new business. And then people were giving schools and there were more and more coaches. And even my hairdresser became a coach. But, you know, she's a very good hairdresser. But after a weekend course, I'm not sure she was as good as a coach. So I thought, where is there a place where there's a blue ocean? You know, the red ocean is highly competitive and there's a blue ocean. So I thought, well, this probably is an area that's much more difficult, but with a lot of experience, I felt more confident doing it. There was also another influence is that as coaches were pretty expensive, more and more companies were having internal coaches. So they were developing their own coaches within the company. So that was another competition in the market that I was seeing. And so I thought, Yes. Well, where even people internal to the company would hesitate to take a coaching contract. And like, for example, I worked a lot for Nestle. They developed their internal coaches, but they always called me when they had a very difficult person. So that's the business reason. And the emotional reason to summarize is that 
I think if you can help somebody realize and put light on their blind spots uh, that will help the company overall, I think it's well worthwhile to help them. Because if you fire them, they'll just start all over again because that's all they know at that time. Sure. I doubt if uh, without a real interpersonal development, they will change their ways. So, Katrina, I, I want to go deeper into that with you because you've started answering the question that I want to ask is, you know, which is why should we care about this topic? And I, I like what you said there is that this is a necessary behavior to intercept in the workplace, you know, to bring awareness to the individual, but ultimately to also create healthier workplaces. So, how do you? start the process of working with a brilliant jerk? And what does the process typically look like? Okay, that would take another hour, but I'll summarize. First of all, what's important to know is that it's usually not the brilliant jerk that wants the coaching. A lot yeah, of them exa- I, was, I was thinking that, which is why I asked the question. <laughs> it's usually their boss or their board members that decided that there's too many people, that there's a higher turnover in a certain department of a multinational, or there's higher turnover overall in a smaller company. So they asked uh, for a coach to help this person. Now, obviously, they are not going to invest in somebody if they don't think they're valuable in other areas. That's why I say brilliant jerks. And so I find out what is the behavior, what is the cause of the behavior, how much it's costing to have this behavior, Uh, So that is with the person that is hiring me. Then I interact with the person, the cause of this coaching. And uh, my objective is only to bring them to be curious enough to know how they're perceived in the company, both in their brilliance and in their interpersonal behavior. So get them to be curious. And I don't tell them they have to do anything. I mean, these leaders are very strong personalities. It's not for me to tell them. I just try to entice them by saying why they think I'm here, uh, what do they perceive, and then that gives me an awareness of uh, how much they're aware of. Uh, Then uh, I said I could do some research work to see uh, how they're perceived both in the positive and what could be make them more productive. I don't say strength and weakness. Where are they brilliant and where can the relationships be more productive? So that first session is not to tell them what to do, it's to get them curious enough to want the next step. And of course, usually I make sure that the boss or the person hierarchically higher has talked to them. And sometimes they don't because uh, there's two things. I will ask, so what did your boss say or what did the board members say? And there might be a big discrepancy between what they tell me and what they tell that person. Or it could be two things, that they're in denial or the information wasn't clear. And then I need to make sure that they talk. And sometimes these are very strong personalities and their boss might be an avoidant leader. In that case, they're not really telling them in so many words what the issue is. So if that's the case, I bring them together to have a conversation, the three of us. But usually I prep the avoidant leader to talk to his direct report beforehand. And I talk to the brilliant jerk to make sure that this, for him, 
it's an information and that he is not to respond to it. It's just collecting information. And for the coach, what's important is to see how they interact and to see what is being said that the other person may not hear. So that's the first step. And then how much time they will give me to see tangible differences in behavior. The other thing that's very important, because I would like more people to do what I do, because I think it really makes a difference and it helps the world be a better place, to have them, you know, make this first appointment and have clarity that it's not just an act that they're doing to have a good conscience, but they're already thinking of firing him because you don't want to be used as an instrument to get information to be fired, to fire your client. <laughs> so that's very important because sometimes uh, they created so much pain and so much strife in the organization that people get together and do a coup. And if that's the case, it's almost too late. Katrina, I just have a thought. The brilliant part, I would imagine, is more consistent that people are brilliant at, at what they're doing. But the jerk element, do you find that's much more on a continuum? I mean, or does that have to get to a certain point before you get involved? Usually uh, it gets to a certain point, you know. Uh, for example, I give a, an example of a client of mine. He was brilliant at closing deals and bringing in a lot of money. And so uh, his boss was very protective because it made him look good too. So sometimes they'll protect them until it becomes so obvious that there's an issue. And that way, you have to be sure you're not coming too late. And that brings us to the end of the first part of our conversation with expert in international leadership, Katrina Burus. To dig deeper into the topic of brilliant jerks and what to do when you come across one in your workplace, make sure to catch the next two parts of this conversation on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts, or on Wonder's website, wndyr.com. From Claire and myself, we'll see you soon. <laughs>